podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Rock Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz. Today we are recapping a George Mason game that, uh, to be honest, I don't really quite know what to think about it with how weird that game was. But then we're also going to look ahead to the Oklahoma State uh, conference season opener for the Jayhawks. Uh, to help me do that, join me as he usually does, Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. Fetch, how you doing today? Good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh Unfortunately, starting the new year off a little bit, uh, with, with, with some sickness in my house. I thought maybe it was COVID. Luckily it's not, which is good. So, but, uh, yeah, it's so much fun, uh, with all the COVID running around college basketball, um, has everybody thinking about it at this point. But, uh, which, or let's, let's jump right into this game. Cause I know we don't have a whole lot of time and I want to make sure we actually get to both of these. So, uh, looking at the George Mason game. Like, there's a lot of things that jumped out to me from this one, but what's the main thing that either has you really worried or that you think is the biggest takeaway? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, interesting game, right? I mean, they kind of uh, seized control early. George Mason came back a little bit, and then it became pretty clear uh, towards the sec- end of the second half there that it was just going to be one of those games that they were just going to have to tough out. And, uh, to their credit, they did so. Um, you know, I... I mean, I think it was just kind of one of those games. You, you hope that it's, uh, you know, a little bit of a layoff, uh, you know, playing a team that they're not familiar with. Um, you know, George Mason definitely played well and, and I think um, have a little bit of a style that I think is, is maybe going to give Kansas some issues um, with respect to, uh, you know, they played five guards a lot. Um, that I think might give Kansas some issues just given the way that they uh, defend pick and rolls. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of help one pass away, which I think they, they probably need to clean up and, and probably will. But at the same time, you know, Bill Self's teams have always done that. So, so maybe they won't, I guess, but um, I, I mean, I, I just, I think that there's probably, you know, at the end of the day, maybe not a ton uh, to take away from and, and maybe not a ton of big, huge lessons that we can, um, you know, draw from it. Um, other than the fact maybe that, um, you know, for some of the, the flack he's gotten this year, not, not a ton, I guess, but I've, I've definitely seen some, uh, people being a little bit down on Remy Martin. Um, but I think this game definitely proved, uh, if we didn't know already just how valuable he is for this team. Yeah. I mean, I thought that my two main takeaways were one, obviously that Remy Martin is super important to this team. Um, like you just saw, it was, it was a struggle for them. I think he does a lot more in terms of opening things up and providing enough of a different look for Ochai, Abaji, and Christian Brown. Like, Dewan Harris does a lot to, to go ahead and actually facilitate this offense. But, you know, Abaji and Brown definitely benefit quite a bit from having Martin out there, being another shooting threat, being a guy that can help distribute as well. Um, you saw that they missed a lot of that with, with him not available. It sounds like he'll be available for the Oklahoma State game, which is absolutely fantastic. But the other really big thing to kind of jump out to me is right after a game where we talked about how they essentially had no bench, right? Uh, two bench guys coming in, in Mitch Lightfoot and Jalen Coleman Lands, to just absolutely carry this team. Um, yes, Ochai Abaji had a dagger late to, to really help put it away. And, and Brown did enough to, you know, keep himself in the conversation as one of those main pieces. But this was a game where the bench took over. The bench really saved their butts in this one. Um, I am absolutely ecstatic the fact that, uh, that, you know, Lightfoot had a game as good as he did. 
What I am worried about, though, is if you're going to have a lot of those nights where Lightfoot is your best big on the floor, you have to hope that it only comes when you are facing a team like a George Mason, you know, or like when you're in the round of, you know, 64 in the NCAA tournament or something like that, because you get much further than that. And if Mitch Lightfoot is by far the best, you know, big man on the court for you, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that that's going to be the case going forward. Not that I think that McCormick's necessarily going to repeat what he did last year in the Big 12 season, but I think we've seen over and over and over again that when he's got a, a one-on-one big man matchup, he tends to acquit himself fairly well and can play that to uh, at least a draw, which given how good their perimeter guys have been this year is, is probably all you're going to need down low. So uh, not terribly worried. I, I think that he, um, Mitch, I'm speaking of, um, does a good job as far as, you know, when you are playing a, a smaller team, you know, he gives you a little bit different look and can score in the post on those little guys, whereas McCormick, for whatever reason, just can't seem to do so. And um, I, I think it is a case where you get to the the round of 64, you know, you might face a uh, a team with not a ton of size inside and, and a team that tries to to throw a few different looks at you and stuff like that. And I think that's where, where Mitch Lightfoot comes in handy and, and maybe where we see a little bit more from, from Clements and Adams as well. Yeah, I mean, kind of jumping back to McCormick for just a minute, because, you know, we've, we've talked several times about how it seems like he needs a guy that's bigger than him or a guy that he can, you know, bruise with down low. And it's it, it, it struck me during this game when he was, you know, struggling, um, where he wasn't really getting matched up with Oduro. And Oduro's a guy that give him, you know, gives quite a bit up to him in terms of size, like bulk. Um, it, it seemed to me like McCormick has almost kind of built into the way he shoots and the way that he tries to put the ball up, that resistance that he's going to get from another big man, which, which would explain, I think, a lot about the fact that, you know, he seems to excel going up against guys that can match him um, and, and has some issues because it messes up his timing, it messes up... His shooting stroke, it messes something up when he doesn't have to really bruise down low with a guy and he can theoretically just push them around. Um, and so, like, I'm wondering if how much of that is it and, and how much of it he just needs to get used to being able to play with that giant size advantage that he could potentially have. Um, back to your point about Mitch Lightfoot, you know, I had said coming into the season, and this was the, the kind of the question I was trying to get Bill Self to answer it in this way, like, Mitch Lightfoot has always struck me as a as a Kevin Young type of energy guy, a guy that comes off the bench that's going to give you ten to fifteen minutes a game at the most, you know, and is going to really kind of be that change of pace when you need that spark, when you need a little bit of a different look. He'll have a game or two throughout the course of the season where he ends up starring because it's just a fantastic matchup for him, and he just goes off. But like that's my expectation for Lightfoot. I think that's the the role that he excels in. It's nice that he was able to go, you know, seven of seven from the floor and just absolutely kill it in this game. But I don't know that you can expect that from him moving forward. And I think he is best utilized as that guy that comes off the bench, that gives them that energy, that spark, whatever it is that they need, especially if they don't have a guy like Remy Martin that can do that as well. And speaking of value of a guy like Mitch Lightfoot, you can find absolute great values by visiting a sponsor here on the podcast, Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn those cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams and are finding those valuable gems that are everywhere in the leagues they have. Go to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use promo code CHALK12 to get yourself a money-back guarantee. Yes, you heard that right. 
symbols offering a money back guarantee to all of the listeners of our show and all the listeners here on the network. That money back guarantee means that if you lose money in your first 90 days, they will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. So you get in there, find some teams that you like, you know, try it out for 90 days, have a whole lot of fun doing it. Cause I know that I am. Uh, and then if after 90 days you find that you haven't really won any money and you want to go ahead and get out of it, just let them know. They'll give you back everything that you've deposited up to $500. They have NFL, NHL, NBA, uh, college football, of course. Um, you know, they also have MLB. They will be adding the EPL for soccer. And then they're also planning on adding college basketball for the next basketball season. So get on in there, find some great teams, enjoy yourself. Figure out how it all works. Be ready for the next college football season, the next college basketball season. You can really, really have a lot of fun there. So go on over to symbol.com, use promo code CHOCK12, and that deposit will have that money back guarantee up to $500. Head on over there, start investing and profiting off of your favorite teams today. All right, so uh, what what else from this game, though, kind of jumps out to you? Like, there's not any worry about Abaji or Brown after this, right? Like, this, this red to me is kind of just a... You know, they were going to have an off night. They're not going to be on every single night. And it's and the fact that it, they both had an off night on the same game is really what this struck me as, as opposed to anything to be worried about, correct? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried at all. I mean, I, I'd like to see, uh, even though he took six of them, I'd, I'd like to see Brown stop passing up those, you know, open or semi-open threes. Um, oh, gosh, yes. He, you know, he may not be, a, you know, 45 or whatever percent three-point shooter like uh like he showed uh in his freshman year but even if he's a you know mid 30 percent three-point shooter which i think is uh you know perfectly reasonable to ask of him um he needs to be taking those shots so uh hopefully that um you know that happens it sounds like bill self uh said that he wants him taking him as well so hopefully that improves but um yeah i mean other than that i think it's just uh just one of those things where they both did not play very well and and that's going to happen sometimes and it's good that they have um, players who can step up and, and kind of, um, you know, especially in, in, uh, Abaji's case, you know, you got Jalen Coleman Lance who was recruited to probably be Abaji insurance in case he stayed in the draft and didn't right. come back. So nice that he can come in and, and do a pretty good approximation anyway of, of what Abaji has done so far this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, and, and that's really what it comes down to. Like you need him to be able to come in on one of those nights where one of those guys is having an off night. Um, and when they both are off, yes, he can replace what one of them does theoretically, you know, as long as he's, he's on, but he definitely can't do it for both. So, um, you know, but you're right. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway. I think at this point is just the fact that we had a whole bunch of guys that had an off night when, when, you know, 60% of your starting lineup has probably the worst game that they've played all season. Um, it's not going to look good. There's only so much that the bench can come on and do. So I am not really that worried about this game. George Mason is not, you know, a slouch in in any fashion. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it, yes, they're not like a fantastic, you know, top 50 Ken Palm team or anything like that, but it, they are one of those, you know, quality schedule fillers that you would expect occasionally going to kind of jump up and bite and, and, and be a little difficult, but Kansas did get a nine point win here to, to really put that one away. So any other thoughts about George Mason before we look ahead to the conference schedule? I think it's good that they, um, you know, the fact that they shoot as many threes as they do, uh, you know, provides Kansas a little bit of a, a test that they're, they're probably going to see in March. Um, so hopefully they, you know, remember that and, and, and can adjust to that. Um, you know, they didn't shoot like an insane, uh, percentage from three or anything like that. Um, I guess I'd, 
would have to do a little bit of math here <laughs> um, to know exactly what it was, but it uh, looks like it was, yeah, I mean, 40% from three on, on 27 threes. I mean, that'll, that'll help a lot right there when it comes to, you know, putting up points. Uh, Kansas did a pretty good job uh, defending the rim, defending the two point shot. So, um, you know, I, I think positive, um, you know, positive steps forward for the defense, actually, even though uh, they did give up, you know, some open threes early. Um, second half to me was more George Mason making, you know, tough shots. So um, the results weren't totally there, but I think the, uh, the inputs, if you will, were there. So hopefully that leads to, to bigger and better things for the defense. Well, and we, I mean, we talked about that in the preview, right? That George Mason is a very streaky team. They, they have large stretches where they go and they look like they're on fire. And then they have large stretches where they just completely fall off. And, and they definitely had more of those on fire stretches, which, you know, as, as dominant as Kansas is at home, uh, playing in Allen Fieldhouse, playing in a place like that, if you don't get overwhelmed immediately, there are a lot of opponents that tend to play some of their best games against the Jayhawks in Allen Fieldhouse just because of the environment, because it's easy to get hyped up. And, you know, I'm not, so I'm not necessarily that surprised that George Mason was able to go on some large stretches where they were just making a bunch of stuff because that's kind of their MO. That's the way that they do it. So the fact that Kansas was able to see those was able to overcome the tough nights that they had from several of their key contributors and still come out with almost a double digit victory. Um, I think it's probably the most encouraging thing that you can, you know, take out of this. And I, I know that we don't want to take too long on this one. We both have other things we got to be doing, but um, let's, let's go ahead and take a look or move forward and talk about the Oklahoma state game. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to an early quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. Season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar Athletics Podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back. All right. Here, here with Steve Fetcher, basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk, talking about this, uh, this Kansas conference opener against Oklahoma State. Um, Fetch, what's the biggest worry that you have going into this game? Well, I think it's probably Remy Martin's knee. Uh, it sounds like he practiced uh, Monday today. And uh, so it sounds like he'll be good to go tomorrow. But is he going to be, uh, you know, really good to go? Or is he just going to be out there playing? Um, if he is, you know, 75, 80% even, um, I feel pretty confident. If he is, you know, 40% or not playing, um, then you start to wonder, you know, especially given that it's at Stillwater, um, then you start to wonder if their, you know, 30 plus year Big 12 opener streak is in jeopardy here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest unknown here is just the fact that 
Oklahoma State's been, you know, they're coming off a of COVID pause. Uh, my understanding is that they're not going to have their entire roster available. Not really sure who's going to be missing. So, like, that's going to be a big thing, you know, in terms of determining how this game goes. But kind of to your point about Remy Martin, yes, Bill Self made it sound like in his press conference today, um, you know, that, that Remy Martin was going to be available, that his knee seemed good to go, that they were going to be just fine. Um, but you do kind of have to wonder about what's going on. You do have to kind of worry a little bit. Um, to try to figure out what what that is, you know, the the fact that he was held out of the game against George Mason obviously makes you worry a little bit. I am curious just how ready he is to go, how easily he's going to be able to slot back in, and if there's any kind of tightness, if there's any kind of issues there, it could really disrupt what he does because the way that Remy Martin plays is all about that free flowing, you know, making all those cuts and doing everything that he does. If he's limited in that, that's going to make it a lot harder for him to contribute the way that he normally does. But um, that being said, like looking at this matchup, because we don't know who from Oklahoma State is, is likely to be out because of COVID, um, you know, I, I don't really want to try to speculate on which ones are going to be important. So, let, so let's just assume in terms of analyzing this game that everybody is available. Um, who are the key guys that you are worried the most about in terms of how they match up against the Jayhawks? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess unless you're, um, you know, unless you're worried about like a, a Bryce Thompson revenge game this year. Um, you know, their best player so far has, has probably been either Bryce Williams or Caleb Boone. Um, you know, Caleb Boone hasn't really played a lot, but when he's been in, he's been, uh, really effective. Um, you know, I, I think it's a case where the good thing that they have going for him is that everybody has played a lot of minutes really. And, and there's no one that really stands out as being like the guy you have to shut down. So, um, they probably can, can deal a little bit with some guys being out, that sort of thing. But really, I, I've kind of been, um, a little disappointed with them this year, to be honest with you. I mean, Isaac Blakely came into Oklahoma State and had a great freshman season, um, and then just hasn't really improved from there. Um, you know, you would have thought with the year he had last year, Avery Anderson would have taken another step forward and, and been, you know, potentially pushing that like all big 12 type guy this year. And, and he has taken, I would say a step back from last year. Um, of course, Bryce Thompson, you know, like we talked about came in as a uh, five-star recruit had a disappointing freshman season at Kansas. Um, of course dealt with some injuries. So you, you have to kind of, you know, not dig him too much there, but hasn't really shown that he's that five-star guy yet um, this year either. So um, not to, you know, I, I just talked about how it's going to be tough to win in Silver and stuff like that. But if you just looked at the names and didn't realize, you know, where they were playing and, and who it was and stuff, I mean, you would probably feel more confident going against them than you would uh, against George Mason, really, to be honest with you. Well, I, I think part of it too, is that yes, you're right. Oklahoma state doesn't have that standout guy and, 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 and kind of to their credit, they've been able to do a decent amount, I think with a stable of guys that kind of rotate around that aren't, you know, they don't really have a star. You thought likely could step up and be that star, or maybe Bryce Thompson could step up and be that star, you know, with, with, with him transferring over there. Like that was the entire point of him going there. That was the entire point of like why a lot of people, you know, thought that Oklahoma state was a trendy pick uh, to compete in the big 12 this year was because of what this team did without Cade Cunningham last year. You know, when, when, when he had to be out for several games or when Isaac likely was out for a couple games, like you saw a bunch of different guys step up and look as a Kansas fan, I am never going to be comfortable with them. Kansas playing at Gallagher. They have had not had a very, very good 
uh, chance or they haven't had a very good track record over there at all. But you can be absolutely comfortable with sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff from more than 100 different schools that are they that they have available. They're adding new ones all the time. They do have a brand new promotion, the brand new or the big new Saturday. Season 3 is coming up over at homefieldapparel.com. The you know, that is where once a week for 8 weeks for this one, they're going to have brand new uh shirts, brand new lineup out there. They did say that this one is going to be basketball focused, which what better time would there be to drop, you know, a random basketball school like Kansas than during a basketball brand new or big new Saturday. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off of your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. You can get over there, get yourself the subscription for the big new Saturday. You can find a whole bunch of other great stuff that you really like. Again, they don't have Kansas, but I have a whole bunch of home field charts because they're super comfortable. My wife loves them. She steals them from me all the time. They have a lot of really awesome logos, really great things for you to jump into. Uh, but again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12 will get you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. That's the biggest strength, I think, of this Oklahoma State team is that they have a lot of guys that can do a lot of things. They can mix and match a lot of players, and they can get more. And Mike Boynton has gotten more out of this team, I think, even so far this year than the sum of the individual players. And so, like, that's what my biggest worry is. It has absolutely nothing to do with any particular player. It has everything to do with the fact that Mike Boynton has shown in the past the ability to get his players to gel. Um, I do wonder this year, though, it seems like when the news came out about the NCAA, you know, uh, banning them from postseason play, it took a lot of wind out of their sails. They, there was a noticeable drop off after that point. And I think it's kind of just dealing with the disappointment of knowing that you have a team that, that theoretically was going to be pushing and now doesn't have a postseason to play for. That can take a lot out of, out of a lot of competitors. Um, I'm hoping that they can kind of get things turned around. You know, in at least somewhat, because I don't really think the Big 12 should have any dead weight. Um, and if Oklahoma State is going to be the worst team in the Big 12 this year, I still think they're going to be pretty good. So, like, you, you would hope that they kind of get it turned around, that they don't just completely fall off a cliff the way that Iowa State did last year. But that is, I think, my biggest worry, is that they don't really have much to play for in terms of, um, you know, postseason play. They don't have a star guy that they can lean on they have to rally together as an entire group to really buoy each other up. And I'm just not sure that they have the group that that can do that right now. Um, plus they're coming off a of COVID pause. Like we all saw how Baylor struggled last year coming off of a COVID pause for a while. Uh, we haven't seen TCU yet play this year after coming off of their COVID pause. Like we've seen teams come off of COVID pauses and not get immediately back to where they were. Um, for quite a while. So like, I'm wondering what that's going to be like for Oklahoma state. And when you deal with the fact that they're already struggling in a bunch of different areas, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just not really sure. So, so all of that being said, well, actually any, anything you want to say there before we move on? Yeah. One, one guy, I guess I probably glossed over a little bit that I kind of like is this Tyreek Smith, who was a, a transfer from Texas tech. Um, not really like a big scorer, but energy guy, offensive rebounder, shot blocker, that sort, that type of thing. Um, frankly, the, the type of guy I think you'd kind of want, um, playing a lot of minutes for Kansas at the five, even though he's not really, uh, not really the size of a typical five, but kind of that, you know, small ball five that you'd almost like to see, uh, playing in Lawrence this year. So that'll be kind of an interesting, interesting test, uh, for Mitch Lightfoot to see if he can match, uh, his energy. But, um, one thing I guess, you know, 
I don't think that Oklahoma State's going to be the worst team in the league. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that's probably going to be either K-State or TCU so far, the way things are going. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, – I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of not in on Mike Boynton yet. Um, seems like a lot of people like him. You mentioned how well he gets his guys to gel, and I think that's that's probably correct. But um, I think given some of the talent that they've been able to to recruit and stuff, they probably should be – uh, a little better than they have been, but, uh, you know, I guess not having a, a great team in Oklahoma State isn't the worst thing for Kansas either. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, you know, I mean, looking at this, so so that being said, like, looking at this particular game, what matchup-wise or what, I guess, narratively worries you about Kansas going this game, other than the fact that it's, you know, down at Gallagher Iba, like like we've already talked about, like I think that everybody's aware of the demons that that Kansas has has, has to, excuse me that Kansas has to deal with when they're down there. Um, I don't know that I, or I, I should say, what what other storylines are there? What other things are there about this game that worries you? Um, does it all have to do with Kansas, or is there something Oklahoma State specific? No, I mean really mostly just Kansas. I mean it is fair to say that uh, you know they've they've defended very well this year um certainly you know they're 17th nationally in terms of two-point defense and and nine or it's 10th excuse me in terms of forcing turnovers but you know a lot of that is against teams that are ranked you know in the 130s and and down into the 200s even in Torvik so um Kansas is a a little bit different animal than uh you know UMass Lowell and, and College of Charleston and stuff like that so um not not terribly worried about that I also you know frankly don't think they're going to be able to to score enough to where even if Kansas does have an off day um, to where that it's going to matter. So um, I, I think this is um, one of the, the more, um, I guess one of the, the most, the most confident I've been there. We all put it that way uh, going into L, uh, Gallagher Iba in terms of, you know, since Bill self has been there. So I'm, I'm prepared to eat crow. <laughs> if things don't go well, we might have to cut this, but um, I don't think there should be too many problems tomorrow night. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if they have lots of problems, I will feel free to blast this clip for, you know, the purposes of all the Oklahoma State fans that I do know. I'm sure that they will enjoy that immensely. But um, no, <laughs> it's one of those things, though, like you said, like I, I think even most Oklahoma State fans would agree. Like the way that this stays close is that Kansas struggles. Um, it, it, I don't think it has anything to do with the way that Oklahoma State plays. Yes, they could get on a hot streak. Um, you know, we could see you know, random, random white guy going absolutely insane from three. And, and yes, I real, I mean, that's, that is what the meme is, right? It's just some random perimeter player that never plays that just goes off from three and goes, you know, seven of eight, um, where he's only taken like four threes in his career coming out of the game. So like, this is one, you know, so like Tyreek Smith, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to magically go off for whatever reason. But no, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Kansas has had some issues. They've had some shakeups and McCormick is obviously a big storyline. Um, the fact that Mitch Lightfoot is getting the start over David McCormick in this game. I don't know. That's really going to mean that much because I'm still not convinced that Mitch Lightfoot is going to get more minutes as a result of starting than he is getting right now. If, if McCormick's struggling and can't get going at all, then Lightfoot's going to get a bunch of minutes. But what I would actually hope is as Bill self kind of mentioned that, that KJ Adams and Zach Clements, get a lot more time. Um, you know, if, if, if McCormick's only going to get 10 minutes, then I think you need to give 15 minutes to Mitch and then split the other 15 minutes up between Clements and, and Adams in some fashion, like whether that's, 
you know, they split it evenly or you get one of them started and let them play until they, you know, have issues or something like I don't I don't know what it is but I definitely don't want Mitch picking up a 25 to 30 minute game routinely at this point just because he's a starter now so I do think that you have to figure it out you need to get McCormick going for sure but if he's not going to get going I don't think that I want them wasting those I, I say wasting and really it's more of a I don't want them losing out on an opportunity to develop guys like Clemens and KJ Adams because they have a guy in Mitch Lightfoot who is a sixth year senior who's not coming back that you know what you have in him. You don't need to develop anything from him. So if it gets, you know, down to the end of a game and you really need something and that's what Mitch brings you, then yeah, by all means, play him the minutes that you need to to go ahead and win it. But, you know, if you're in the middle of the game and you have an opportunity for development or you have an opportunity to get someone going, try to get one of these freshmen going. You know, we're going to need them sooner rather than later, um, especially if McCormick doesn't get going. And so I, I do think that, or at least that's what I'm hoping happens in this in this game is that Mitch Lightfoot gets the start but he doesn't play starter minutes. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think this might be a, a good game for, for KJ Adams, frankly. Um, Oklahoma State has a lot of those kind of shorter big men who bring a lot of energy, that, that type of deal. And, um, that certainly sounds like what KJ Adams has been able to do so far. So, um, I think this is a game where he's, he's not going to, uh, kill you on the glass, uh, on the defensive glass anyway. He's been a, a really good offensive rebounder so far this year, but, not a very good defensive rebounder, but anyway, he's not going to kill you on that end. And, and I think, you know, he's probably not going to kill you in terms of defensively too much either. Um, so it might be a, a nice game to steal some minutes with him. And, and then, yeah, Clements, I mean, I, uh, I still think he's the best long-term um, big man prospect on the roster and frankly might be the best long-term prospect on the roster period, uh, regardless of position or age. But um, you know, it, it seems pretty clear to you that just, Due to his lack of lack of strength, he's probably not ready to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game yet. Right, either. right. Yep. All right. Anything else about this game that we need to go over or, or you think we can make this a real short one? Uh, no, I think I think we nailed it, actually. I mean, unfortunately, it seems like, uh, you know, Kansas uh, starting off, you know, should have had TCU and, and now Oklahoma State. I mean, it seems like they're starting with maybe the easier part of their schedule and well, that can be good because, you know, Bill Self teams def- definitely tend to get better um, over the course of the, the conference season. Um, it's sure going to be a, a bear in, in February and March coming down, uh, coming down the pike. And um, with all the, the good teams that they have to play, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to see them uh, regain their Big 12 crown, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and, and I will say that that was not an intentional pun, given the fact that they played Baylor twice in the uh, second half of the Big 12 schedule. But Oh, no, um, it sure wasn't. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. I'm very... Uh, yeah, of, of course, of course, that. of yeah. course. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think that there's a lot more to really say about this game. One, because I don't know how much we know about Oklahoma State, um, just given the COVID issues and kind of the other issues that they're struggling with. And then, and then two, you're right. Like, this is, this is uh, the quote-unquote easier stretch of their big 12 conference slate. Um, you know, they have Texas tech coming up on Saturday. Um, you know, that's going to be on the road. They should win that game. It might be a little bit closer than we're probably too comfortable with, but then Iowa state's coming to town um, and West Virginia's coming to town the next week. So those are two games that yes, those, those teams can give them a game, but I don't know that I'm necessarily too worried, at least at this point that they're going to get severely challenged in either of those games. Although Iowa state's a little bit scrappier, than I thought they would be, you know, the way that they played against Baylor, I thought was, was actually fairly impressive, but we will talk about those games as we get closer to them. So Fetch, why don't you go ahead and wrap us up with your random sports minute for the day? 
Uh, so I'm not, not very random, I guess. I'm just mostly uh, celebrating the fact that my Minnesota Vikings probably only have one more game uh, with, with their general manager, coach, and quarterback. So uh, hopefully, you know, it's going to be a long couple of years to, to rebuild, but hopefully, you know, maybe um, since transferred, uh, Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams will be uh, in the draft in a couple of years, and maybe he will be the one to, to lead the Vikings to Super Bowl glory finally. I, I find it actually hilarious that last time or last week you were like, no, we are absolutely never talking about the Vikings here. And then that's what you brought up with the random sports with it. So, um, yeah. I, so I did ask for questions, uh, on Twitter. The only one we got was a uniform fight, uh, question that came from K State fan. So I'm sure we'll address that at some point, but I think I want to have our uniform guy on to talk about that one because let me tell you, there's definitely some things to talk about with that. But, uh, but that is going to do it for us today. Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. It was a short one today, but, uh, you know, with the short layoff between the two games, I thought it was kind of appropriate to just get in and get out and let us get on with our lives. So uh, that is going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Fetch, thanks for joining me. If you guys have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, you can actually do ratings now on on multiple different platforms. There's uh, there's Apple Podcasts, obviously, where you can give the rating and review. Spotify will let you do ratings now, so if you can give us a five-star there, it'd be absolutely great. And there is a a new a newer platform called Good Pods that I actually listen to a lot of different things on where you can give ratings and review there. Um, so if, if you are a listener on one of those three platforms, please give us that rating. It really does help to get the podcast out there so that more people can tune into what we're doing and we can grow this thing and give you guys a whole lot more great content. So um, if you can, uh, if, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice directly on the show. Do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. Um, you leave that voicemail there. I promise that we'll get on the show again, as long as it's not super inappropriate. Uh, but we are part of the 1012 network, a bunch of great podcasts that I help put together uh, that talks about all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Again, as we're getting into conference play, it's super important, I think, to really know what these teams are bringing. If you want to be a well-informed fan, that is the absolute greatest place you can go to get all the intel on all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. So just go to uh, TEN12Network over on Twitter. You can get links to all of those shows. But that is going to do it for us. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield and Symbol. Use promo code SHOCK12 to get great deals with both of them. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Tanks podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, 
And as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.